Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And I think that's it. We are live. Well, welcome back, everybody, to In Liberty and Health. This is episode number 213. Very, very excited for this conversation because I've been thinking about it a little bit ever since she uh, kind of got back to me and said we should do another show. So, um, you know, obviously, make sure you go check out the show sponsors. We got Tiger Fitness right there and LMNT as well as Fox and Sons Coffee. All those links are down in the description below. So, um, you know, I guess without further ado, let's get into it. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Oh, okay? yeah. <laughs> All right. Hi, Cynthia. How are you? I'm good, Kyle. Yourself? Oh, absolutely fantastic. And as I said uh, in our little introduction there, I'm very excited to uh, sit down and have a conversation with you. Um you were uh, a little uh, tardy, unfortunately, because you spilled branched-chain amino acids powders, which, like, for me, that is, like, devastating. I would be on the floor crying and trying to get every last little drop of that stuff. Oh, no. As soon as it's on the floor, it's done for me. I know people have, like, that five, ten-second rule. I'm like, nope, nope. Not especially with how California is like, nope, nope, we're not doing that. <laughs> Oh my God. Awful. Was it at least like one of your like lesser preferred flavors or was it like the flavor? Lesser preferred. We're good. But okay. yeah, I, 
That's uh yeah yeah that's um that's good. Uh, I have a uh, peach ring flavor from uh, MTS Nutrition, and like if I I spilled that, I I'd have to kill somebody. It, there's just no other way around it. No, I know the field, especially when you you purchase things, especially on the subscription basis. You are like ready to go because usually by the time the new order comes in, like obviously the month prior, you're like at you know it's wit's end, right? Like you're getting scraps and like you know, leftovers at that point. And so I get it. It, it hurts a lot. I, I was in the feels earlier as I was rushing. <laughs> yeah, I got you. All right. So I, I guess uh, before we start rolling, other than our branch chain amino acids, um, give everybody a little introduction just in case they missed our first show together. Sure. So first of all, thank you again, Kyle, for having me on. I had such a great time being with you last time because obviously we had to talk about politics. We had to talk about all that good stuff going on with our government, but I also was able to branch out and talk about, you know, ensure things about myself that a lot of people might not know. So I had such a great time just talking about a lot of things that in my opinion are a lot more important than politics and that I hope people remember and have perspective on. But a little bit of background about myself, I am based here in San Diego, California. I am the Young Republicans president and chairwoman. So the Young Republicans have multiple countywide organizations and chapters. And then there's like each state has their own statewide Young Republican chapter. And then we have the Young Republican National Organization, similar to how the organization goes for, you know, how we have the Republican National uh, Committee, like the RNC, and then each state has their own statewide organization so there is an organization such as that for the young republicans so i run the san diego young republicans countywide uh, chapter and organization um and so a little bit about myself and why i get along with kyle so well as i used to be a registered libertarian so i'm not a lifelong republican um, so I'm not someone that grew up being political, although I've always had uh, very traditional and conservative values and beliefs, but I've never always connect my political perspectives with my beliefs and my values uh, because I grew up that way and didn't necessarily talk about it. And then when you go to public school in California and when you go to um, you know, public university, I went to UC San Diego, like obviously, you know, and if you're someone that's a political, there's, you know, a whole bunch of adventures there and, you know, just wasn't necessarily that piqued my interest. Um, it wasn't until the 2016 federal election with Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, where it was such an exciting time to be a student where I, you know, caught the political bug. And then from there, after the 2020 election, I got activated and wanted to be the change I wish to see in the Republican Party and in my community. Um, and then, you know, if anyone knows the second you step into local activism, it, it never ends. And so I have been very blessed and privileged because of the relationships I've built and then the doors that they've opened that I'm in the position where I am today, where I'm the president, and the chairwoman of San Diego Young Republicans. Yeah, I mean, that's an awesome and very, very inspiring story. And uh, not a lot of people, especially in I, I don't want to say that we're necessarily in separate spheres here, but, you know, everyone's going to say, oh, you're a white guy with a podcast, right? And, of course, you're a libertarian. But um, people like you and um, a friend um, of mine, Brandon Harnish, who's um, a city councilman over in Indiana, um, the work that you guys do really does go on, you know, completely just under the radar and underappreciated because it's like – I can't imagine dealing with meetings constantly. I mean, I was 
a little active in the Libertarian Party there for a little bit, but then I kind of stepped away just because I was I, I determined there were better uses of my time. Once again, doing this, spend time with my wife and my job, just very, very busy. So unfortunately, I couldn't um, continue to do that. But I mean, some of that stuff is just completely mind numbing stuff. And, um, you know, it's great that we have people like yourself and like Brandon who are willing to go out there and, you know, do the boring day to day stuff to make sure that kind of the political kayfabe that we see every day can continue to go on. And then obviously the good, you know, some good can come of it. And then, you know, hopefully good people rise through the ranks. And I think, um, once again, the work that you do kind of helps lay the foundation for that. Thank you so much. No, absolutely. And I think what people don't realize and what I always, the myth that I want to bust is that it's such a saturated industry, but the reality is, especially on the Republican side, we're always looking for good humans. We're always looking for people that are willing to put in the hard work. Um, but in particular, obviously, as the president of the San Diego Young Republicans, I care very deeply about providing opportunities for young Republicans and young conservatives to have a seat at the table. Um, but you, you don't have to come, like I said, from a political background. Um, I'm the only political person in my family, so I didn't come in with any connections. Um, you know, I didn't have anyone that, you know, could, you know, introduce me to so-and-so. It started with me originally, like, being very uncomfortable and being surrounding myself in environments where I didn't know anyone. And it was very difficult because I got involved in politics after college. So I wasn't aware of like Turning Point USA and PragerU and all these other really great established organizations that help connect with uh, young conservatives that are college aged and school aged uh, with people with similar values. And so anyone knows that when you graduate college, it, you have to put in a lot more effort to make friends and more importantly, find people with similar values, especially if you want to branch out your social circle outside of your coworkers. And to full disclosure, I'm, I'm best friends with a couple of my old coworkers from one of my one of my jobs after I graduated. But I understand, you know, wanting to be able to have boundaries and wanting to find people, um, you know, outside of where you work. And so I remember how hard and difficult it was. I remember being depressed. And so I want San Diego Young Republicans to be a space in the community. Uh, so people want to find like-minded individuals that have the same political beliefs. I mean, for, for, for far so long, you know, we have to tell people to agree to disagree. I agree with that 100%. You don't have to agree with everything. Um, and it doesn't have to be politics. Um, I think it's normal to have disagreements with your family and friends, and it doesn't have to be as controversial as politics or religion or what have you. Um, but I also understand wanting to have fellowship, wanting to find community, and wanting to have people where you all think the way that you do. It's normal. My, pit, my pitch to people is we go to church, we play sports for a reason. It's because we want to find people that, that have common interests like us. And so that's what my sole mission has been ever since I became the president this year of San Diego Young Republicans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I like what you said there. Um, it seems like so much of our political dialogue really does get focused around like the dogma and all you see is just people arguing back and forth. And that's really not reality, or at least not in my experience. Like I'm kind of blessed that I work with mostly people who for the most part politically align with me, like they're mostly older Republicans. And obviously we align on a lot of issues, but there are some issues where we're going to disagree. But even when we disagree, it's not like we're going out back and then rolling around in the park and like, no, it's, you know, we have a conversation about it and it's like, oh, well, you know, we disagree here. Okay. Well, you know, what else? Let's, let's move on from there. Um, I, I can't stand this idea that everybody has to be an enemy and that, um, you know, we have to divide, you know, 
our, our politics has to play such a big part in our lives. But it, like you said, at the same time, you do want some kind of companionship where like, you know, you're going to want to talk to people who agree with you to kind of see where their mind and perspective is on certain stuff. And also, you know, just the fact that being surrounded by people who agree with you generally does feel kind of good because, you know, once again, you're around like-minded people. Like I wouldn't want to play in a band with people who we don't share anything in common with because, you know, the music that we're going to produce probably isn't going to be any good if we can't come to an agreement on what it should sound like. And I imagine it's probably the same thing in a political party especially a local function like if you guys don't have a similar vision of where the party's supposed to go then you know what are you doing exactly um and like and i agree with you because even before 2016 i think part of the reason why i was apolitical is because i don't think politics was as exciting or cool back then i mean to be quite mm -hmm. frank growing up in school um history and you know learning about the constitution and these all these other like i said i was not a political nerd at all right i didn't grow yeah. up like being excited about the debates or anything. I wasn't excited to go door knock for Mitt Romney or George Bush or like, I just was not one of those people, right? I was not excited and I didn't care, right? Yeah. But then something happened in 2016, for better or for worse, a lot of people on both sides got incredibly activated. And I think in a lot, a lot of ways, I am grateful for that too, because, you know, I'm one of those people that came into politics during the, the Donald Trump era, right? So mm -hmm. I'm definitely not throwing shade or anything at all because I am where I am today because of all of these things that have happened. So I can understand that perspective too about like all the devices of divisiveness and whatnot because I quite frankly don't remember that. And even nowadays too, where my moments where I want to unplug from politics, I find like even the people that aren't very political, they seem to act like they know so much about politics because they care so much or whatever. I'm just like, no, that's not how it works. You're not as educated as you think. And it also doesn't have to be this way. So I agree with you 100%. I don't quite remember what exactly happened. I do personally believe that, you know, something tri something triggered in the 2016 election that got people more activated for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. um, but on another hand, too, um, you know, candidly speaking, like on personal levels, I like, especially if one is dating for marriage, I think it's normal. You should be dating for things outside of just you both like Star Wars or you both like to go getting food together. You yeah. should be dating and marrying for values. Um, like, mm -hmm. for example, the biggest barometer, in my opinion, is how do you both want to raise your children? And mm -hmm. I think one of those core facets is, you know, if one is political, one is not. Obviously, someone who is passionate about their politics and their values are connected to how they vote that is going to impact whether you realize it or not um, how you raise your children um, and all of those things play into factor and so on another hand in some ways like in a weird alternate um reality i guess in some ways it is like a blessing or a curse that now things are so political but at the same time i have found myself in a in a weird dichotomy because i'm one of those people that is trying to empower and inspire people to get involved in politics and at least be more aware of things. So I can see both sides because I'm one of those people that came yeah. into politics during the Donald Trump era too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. And you know, I actually really agree with that. And I hear some people say sometimes like, Oh, it's fine if you have political differences or something like that. Um, I really don't think you can date somebody who let's say if my wife was and she's not, but let's say she was pro choice and that's probably her coming home right now. That's probably why my uh, dog's barking. But, um, I, it, like if she was pro choice and she was very pro war or, you know, just 
kind of completely 180 on a lot of the stuff that I value and that I mostly talk about, then I don't think that that's just like, to me, it's a fundamental thing. Like, um, I think like when it comes to like a national level, if we're going to have laws about abortion, then like a nine week ban or like the first trimester, if you ban abortions after that point, I think you could probably get most people to agree to that. It's not a position that I would like, but I think that would be kind of like in the neighborhood of like greatest harm reduction that you could feasibly do. But like, if you fundamentally disagree with somebody that you want to be with for the rest of your life about like when life begins, that's not really a political question. This is like a very, this is deeper than that. Right? Like we're talking about when life begins and that's, that's kind of important, especially if you want to have kids and somebody doesn't value that specific point the same way that you do. I don't know how you can tangibly have a solid foundation for a relationship if you don't agree on something like that fundamental, at least, you know, not for me personally. I agree with you 100%. Um, even as someone that's political as myself and someone that's in the bubble and whatnot, I, you know, I don't know everything about everyone or every single issue. The reality is there are some issues that I care a lot more than other issues. And there are some issues that I am more educated about than other issues. And then there are some issues where I'm pretty agnostic about and I think are non-issues that are not hills for me to die on. Um, and so I think part of that, when you get activated in politics, you need to be honest with yourself. And I think that's the first issue. A lot of people don't know themselves and they're not willing sure. to get to know themselves. Um, so that's kind of like the first step. Once you have a good grasp and a sense of purpose, and that's one of my strengths, I've always been pretty intentional and purposeful, I'm willing to do the hard work to know my strengths and my weaknesses, um, very introverted and very introspective and whatnot. So for me personally, that was easy, but for a lot, but I'm like, you know, kind of like the exception, the rule to that. For a lot of people, it's extremely difficult to be honest with themselves and to dig deep and to get rooted into who they are and their values and their beliefs and what are their hills to die on, what's important to them. Um, and so when it comes to, in particular, marriage, um, I think, you know, one kind of barometer is, could you be like, would you resent your, your husband or your wife for this? And if you will, then you have a problem. And that's obviously a question that you answer ideally while you're dating. So that way you don't marry them. Um, right. Because I because I agree with you in particular for the abortion issue. I do think that's a huge issue that a lot of conservatives and Republicans care about. And so if you're someone that cares deeply about that issue, you need to be quite honest with yourself and you need to be willing to bite the bullet when need be. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's not a political question at that point because i mean it is a very very fundamental thing of when your understanding of you know when life begins is um and like a, a lot of the this stuff when it comes to relationships i don't think a lot of people kind of work their way through it and by that i mean like when you're dating somebody you're not asking the important questions and obviously our standards and our goals in relationships are going to be completely different like for me obviously i want to have a family and um, it's important that my partner is loyal for some other people. That's actually not an important thing. Like <laughs> I personally cannot understand that, but for some people they deem that to be something. Okay. So, you know, my wife and I early on agreed, okay, infidelity is a deal breaker. Um, we both want to have kids. 
we both, you know, share these values in common. And this is kind of like where we want to be in this amount of time. Um, those are pretty simple questions to ask. I remember a coworker at one point saying like, oh, I can't believe you like talk to your girlfriend about having kids this early on. I think we were already dating for like six months or something like that. And you shouldn't like go into the first date and say, all right, we need to figure out if we're going to have kids. It's like, there's nuance to this stuff, but like, you don't want to get three years in and then find out like, Oh, th this person doesn't want kids. Okay. Well now you just pissed away three years of your life and you're not going to get that back. And like, that's, that's cool. You got to spend time with somebody, but once again, you should ask important questions up front. So that way, you know, if this person could be a viable long-term partner, I don't think there's any such thing as a soulmate. I think there's good ones. There's bad ones. And there's people who are going to work better for you or not work for you. I agree with you, Kyle. Um, so when it comes to, and if you're right, it does go deeper beyond politics. You're talking about how you view the world. Like I touched upon the similar, okay, that's great that you both like to be foodies. That's great that you both like to go get brunch. That's cool that you like the same artist. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. You both like to go to the beach together. That's super cool. You like the same TV shows. In reality, that is not that important. I mean, there are people that have way different, similar, way different personalities. Like there's people that marry introverts and extroverts and everything in between, right? So that's not what's important. What's important is um, your values, what's important to you and how you want to live your life together. And if you both are on the same page in that, because you're going to be together during the worst times and the bad times. And more importantly, like it's about you know, if you can really trust that person, um, if, you know, so just like basic things like, you know, for example, actually, I went to the fair with one of my best friends and we were just having conversations about relationships and, you know, we were just discussing about just a bunch of different things. But one of the points that I made, because I don't want to go into details about, you know, what that conversation sure. was, but one of my personal beliefs is, is I would not want to put my boyfriend or my husband in a situation where he is the butt of a joke, because oh. I am, because I believe in being considerate of that, of my spouse or my boyfriend's feelings. And similar to that, I would expect the same in return from him. I understand like, you know, making jokes at each other or, you know, laughing, you know, laughing at yourself, or whatever, especially if you both have inside jokes and mm -hmm. you both know each other's quirks, whatever. But if I was in a social scenario and, you know, I messed up or just something or I fell short of something, sure. I would not want my boyfriend or my husband to put me down and publicly, but especially in front of our loved ones. One, it's the edifying. And number two, that's disrespectful. Right. And so those are so, you know, that's all. So those are that's a little bit deep and that's kind of like a little far out. But you know, at the same time, like those are the things that are important. It's not necessarily about like, oh, do you, are you on this, this and that issue? It's more about how you view things. So for example, the abortion issue, I agree with you. Um, Cause especially if you're both are raising kids and you both are plugged into the issue, um, that's something that's important. Or like, for example, it doesn't have to be as polarizing that it could be as simple as education. Where's this person stands on the family unit and schooling? If someone wants to homeschool their children and then you have your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or wife that thinks homeschooling kids are weird or whatever, yeah, 
that's a problem. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's a big conflict because, I mean, even something like that, um, that is going to determine the way that your child um, sees the world in the way that actually you may even view your child because, um, you know, if you don't agree on how you're going to raise children, then it's like, okay, well, now we're, you know, we're, we're kind of back to square one because, I mean, that's kind of important. How you're going to put your offspring into the world and what you want them to do and how you envision their future. Obviously, they're going to have some degree of autonomy, but this is still dependent upon the way that you raise them. Um, you know, children aren't blank slates. It was actually really interesting. I was listening to stuff um, this morning about, um, testosterone how it actually affects the baby in the womb so like when babies are developing i think it was like the length of their ring and um pointer finger actually has something to do with the amount of testosterone they receive if they're male in the womb so i mean like just down to a genetic level you know men and women are going to be or you know boys and girls are going to be different so obviously you know if you want if you're okay with let's say your you know your daughter being a little bit more of a tomboy or if you're okay with you know your son being a little bit less of a you know guy's guy and you know we can get into the kind of stuff that we're seeing now um th that's going to be very very important to you know obviously each person because it's like this is your kid you know this stuff matters a lot <laughs> Yeah, and I agree. And um, another point I forgot to touch upon earlier was as far as being upfront about what's important to you. I mean, obviously, there's no hard line rule like, oh, you should talk about this on the first date or three months, whatever. Talk about when it's natural. Like, I feel like we're always in our heads. Like, if it hops up in the first day, talk about it. If it happens to be on the second or third date, talk about it. But eventually, you should talk about it. And eventually, there's going to be a natural window for it to pop up. So mm. let's just put that out there first and foremost. Mm. But even if there wasn't that hardline role, whatever, you should talk about things that are important to you. I mean, for goodness sake, you're you're getting to know each other and naturally you're gonna want to know like what's important to each other. And I agree with you. I think the earlier you find out someone wants to have a family or not, especially if that's something that's important to you and someday you want to have like you know, the white picket fence and have like cute little dumplings and, you know, have like them crawling around under the Christmas tree with fire and like the dog in the background with, with the Christmas shoot or whatever. Like if that's something that's awesome to you and something that you want, you should find out as soon as possible that someone, if that person wants that too. Like if they want to focus more on their career or marriage is not important to them, whatever. I'm not saying that wanting that is making you less than of a human or that's not as important but what's important is that you find out what's important to them and you find and you know what's important to you and figuring out those things are the same no one is saying that one value system is less than or better than the other it's just you both have value systems and you need to figure out if they're the same or not and i'm a huge believer in figuring it out sooner than later and i think politics knowing your politics Mm -hmm. And figuring out how that correlates to how you want to live your life is very crucial and important. Yeah. Um, so I guess one thing that I wanted to kind of ask you about, because this has been going all over the place, and I think um, it's just kind of the nature of social media, unfortunately, that like this stuff about, you know, groomers and the drag shows at the schools and stuff like that. I believe it's happening, but I believe because it's so jarring and because it really, I mean, that hits people at a level that I don't think the people doing it really understand. Um, I don't think that's going on all that much, but like when it does happen, it's like this needs to stop and we shouldn't be showing kids this kind of stuff. Um, I know you're out in um, 
Oh, yeah, that's right. South Dakota. I keep wanting to say California. I don't know why. I think it's because um, we met through somebody who uh, lives over in California. Um, does it seem like the people that you interact with, like, are they seeing this? And is this happening in your community at all? Because, like, I haven't seen it, but, you know, you just see videos on social media. And, of course, they go viral instantly. And, you know, people just get absolutely outraged. But I, I think it's just an issue that you see on the internet because it's so outrageous. Right. So I'll be completely honest there. Like I said, um, I only have certain amount of hours in the day. And so, you know, and there are some issues I care more about others than than not. And, you know, the reality is like, even though I'm political, um, I try very hard to kind of unplug from things. So I might not know every single news cycle I want to, I mean, to be honest, like I tried to take a social media sabbatical like a few months ago. Yeah. I had to stay on Twitter because I needed to for my position that I have. Right. And it's all, and I had friends because obviously I have friends in politics too texting me new stuff. So it was almost like I need to be on social media. I have friends texting me all this. Right. Yeah. Um, so in particular in California, I do think there's um, a lot of situations that happen like that with the drag queen stuff. Um, I mean, if it happened in San Diego, it may have like, situations like that in Southern California, like it may have happened a while ago, but to be honest, because politics, like something that happens even just a week ago is old news, right? So yeah. I couldn't even, so I couldn't even like recall right now for this podcast, like if something like that happened, but it definitely has happened, that I can tell you, um, but to my understanding, not something recently. However, that's not to say it's not happening. But yeah. it does those kinds of things do happen in red states too, which is why I'm a huge believer in staying and fighting for California because when you move to a red state, your problems aren't gonna go away because there's people that move around too. And you and even like and even like um, political activism in Republican states, they exist for a reason. It's because they're trying to reform the party um, and make it and make it to its image and to what it what people want it to be. So that's kind of like my take on that. I know I don't, I know I'm not spilling tea like a lot of people are anticipating, but the reality is, um, you know, I, there's only so much that I can kind of consume and what I, what I kind of keep tabs on. And to be honest, unless it's happening right now, today, this minute, and it's bringing my attention into a direction where I have to have a stance on it, you know, it kind of goes over my head. I mean, if you asked me this question maybe like a year or two ago when I had when I was in the positions that I was in now, it'd be mm. a very different story. I might be a little bit more plugged in with the news is, but because of my day job and because of my volunteer position as the president of San Diego Young Republican, mm. um, you know, I'm not as tuned in and you know, into every single thing that happens every single day. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, my buddy Kevin here, he had the right comment. Yeah. That, that's kind of, I think what we're both kind of getting at here, just it's, it's reasonable for people to be upset about it because it's like, Hey, the, these are your kids. But I think the other thing that kind of goes under the radar here is that those are parents that introduce their kids to that stuff. And, um, you know, I don't know what to do about that. I, I don't think it's right that we would go down and, you know, beat people's doors down and, you know, throw them in itself the rest of their lives for doing something like that. But something should happen. Um, kind of pivoting on there. Um, I, I know I titled this stream who might beat Biden in 2024, but I'm kind of curious your thoughts on um, RFK first, because this has been a very, very interesting figure to watch the rise of. So I don't know how much you've seen of him, how much you know, 
but um, I've been following him closely just because it's interesting to finally see a Democrat that isn't like the worst thing on the face of the planet. And he's very knowledgeable about the issues. He's very, very well read. And like one of my big issues is China. And he is the only presidential candidate who has any, like he's the only guy that says like, we should not go to war with China. We should recognize them as an economic competitor and win that competition. Like that is what I'm talking about. I hear, you know, like Trump and DeSantis, well, Trump's like, the only one who doesn't seem as gung-ho about like a full-on war with China, although he's still kind of hawkish. Um, but RFK is really, really good. So yeah, what, what are your thoughts about RFK? So I I mean, I like him. I, I don't dislike, um, I think, you know, each Democrat candidate, you know, outside of Biden are going to bring their new flavor. And I think it's great because it shows how much of a failure Joe Biden has been as a president. And so I think it's great to see Democrats step out into the wings and, and you know, try to challenge the incumbent. I think competition makes things healthy. Um, I have not. So I have not watched or listened to that Joe Rogan podcast. However, I have been seeing that circulate on the Internet. And apparently it's been very successful. He did such a great job. So that's kind of my take on it. I mean, I couldn't dive in or give you my detailed analysis about him as a candidate because i'll be honest like i'm the san diego republicans president so i'm a little bit my energy is going more towards figuring out things on the republican side than on the democrat side i'll be honest i love seeing the democrats in fight <laughs> yeah i mean uh, we'll, we'll get to this eventually but uh the, the idea of trump and desantis debating each other i, I just I, I got to say, I have the absolute hots for that. So I guess let's kind of work our way up here. So I also have the polls pulled up here. Um, so coming in, uh, we're not even going to go through Hutchison, Elder, Burgum because I don't even know who those three are. Um, let's start off with Rum Swami. Um, I actually really like Vivek, um, other than the fact that he's pretty goofy on China. Um, I like his idea of like, then the word nationalism gets like a, this real dirty tinge to it. But I think his idea of like having an American revival where you kind of have like pride in your country and pride in something greater than yourself, like specifically to your community. I think there's something really, really cool about that. So I don't know how much you've seen of Vivek or how much you know about him or kind of like what your locale thinks of him. I have an idea of like probably what your locale is, but like I said, I kind of want to work our way from like kind of lowest up to obviously Donald Trump is the front runner. I like Vivek. I think he has a lot of great ideas. Um, in particular, like his books that he's authored really shows that he's a very articulate intellectual man. And I do appreciate his candidacy because he's being able to bring forth conversations that need to be had. Um, my biggest pushback with like with Republicans in particular, I mean, we just what we just dived into a little bit. The Democrats didn't fight all the time and Republicans, they act like, oh, we're not supposed to fight with each other. We're allowed to have dialogue. We're allowed to have disagreements. We are allowed to be able to have a platform where we can flesh out ideas and figure out what the best solution is moving forward. This is very normal. This is what democracy and what politics is about, is trying to compromise, um, is trying to figure out common ground, being able to have a discourse with one another. So um, I feel like that's the benefit of having Vivek in the in the running is him being able to kind of have a platform where he can share like his honest opinion about things. I think it's refreshing. I think it's needed. Um, I will say one of the things that I do disagree with him on is about uh, free speech, combating that. Um, so his, I believe, 
Um, he got into it with Dave Rubin on Twitter about, you know, okay. things with DeSantis's uh, hate speech law or whatever. And Vivek was commenting about how um, the way to combat hate speech is free speech. And I'll be very honest, I have a boundary with that and a disagreement with that. I definitely am not a free speech absolutist because if mm. free speech means you get to say or do whatever you want with my child because it's free speech, I have a problem with that. There's a reason why I want to homeschool my children. Mm. Um, you are you are pressing into boundaries that, that need to be had. Um, so I'm not a free speech absolutist, especially if that's what it means to, to die on the First Amendment. Like, no, you're not going to mm. touch my children in that regard. Um, so that's kind of like one of the big disagreements I have with him on, um, but I understand where he's coming from because he's obviously trying to harp on Ron DeSantis, who is a front runner as well. Um, so that's kind of like my take on it. Okay, yeah. Um, I guess the only... Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Area. 
You know, I really wouldn't even disagree with that. Um, I think if you were teaching somebody else's kids, then um, I, I think within that property, you are kind of you're being shepherded by taxpayers. Do you kind of follow what I'm saying? So therefore the restrictions on your speech um, should be kind of, I don't want to say up to a consensus, but like there are clear lines of what you know crosses a boundary, right? Exactly. I, and, I, I don't think pushback, you're, you know, oh, good. Yeah. My pushback is the boundaries that I think you, we touched upon earlier, which is, you know, right. the sexualization of children. Yeah, like yeah, means, I think it's reasonable. Yeah, like don't talk about that with my children. Yeah, Kevin says free speech could be held for the individual, but not for the state. If you're on duty, you're acting as an agent of the state. I no disagreement. <laughs> I I don't think you would uh, disagree either. Um, I like I said, if you are a teacher and you're teaching someone else's kids, then I think there's reasonable restrictions that should be placed on you. And like, we're not saying you can't teach them about complex issues but like to be straight up teaching them about sexual things when clearly it's not at the consent of the parents i think that's reasonable to say you shouldn't be doing that yeah um, and that's what i'm saying too but there are yeah. people that use the free they 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 uh take advantage and they leverage the first amendment to the full extent i'm not one of those people i, I draw my line there Sure. Um, coming up next, uh, 2.3%. Ramswamis at 2. Chris Christie at 2.3%. Um, <laughs> my only thing that I remember of Chris Christie was Rand Paul walking all over him in the 2016 debates, where I think he said something to the degree of, I know you gave Obama a big hug, and you know if you want to give him a hug again, you go right ahead. And it was something about, um, I know he was saying he wanted to use the um, the Patriot Act to go after people and um, Rand Paul just tore him to shreds. So I, I'm, I do not have a favorable opinion of him. Um, curious your thoughts there. I don't have much opinion other than I just, for my guilty pleasure, sometimes I watch the 2016 election stuff because it was a very, <laughs> it was a time to be alive. Like the Republican yeah. primaries were amazing. I know a lot of people are divisive, but quite frankly, those debates were funny. And yeah. uh, especially watching the Hillary and the Trump debate. Wrong. So hilarious. And then when you fast forward to 2020, it's like night and day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a lot a lot of uh, lost entertainment value there. Yeah. So um, that's kind of like my, my take on Chris Christie. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know too much about him to really point out like sure. certain policies I disagree with, but I, you know, in my opinion, I'm pretty sure he's running because he, you know, doesn't, he wants to take out the front renter, which right now is Donald Trump. Um, but I don't think he has a chance at all. No, no. If, if the polls are anything to judge by, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I definitely agree. Um, <laughs> at 3.8%, uh, or no, I'm sorry. Yeah, do I? Yeah, I got that right. Um, oh, no, 3.6. I apologize. Uh, Tim Scott. I don't know much about him. Uh, I think I seen like a clip and he sounded good, but I mean, that was just like a very, very brief thing. I don't know anything about him. So uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts. I, I like him. I don't necessarily dislike him. I know I'm kind of coming across as like, you know, one of those people, but, um, but I mean, I don't think, but yeah, I don't know if he's done anything to like make really catches my eye to where I, greatly dislike him at all. Sure. I mean, I think 
I think he's one of those people that, you know, because there is a lot of Republicans that will refuse to vote and support Donald Trump. And if he is on the if he is the Republican nominee, there are a lot of Republicans that will not support him, even if he makes it a general, even though a lot of Republicans preached unity, um, mm-hmm. which I don't which I don't believe a lot of people actually believe in that. Um, so I kind of view Tim Scott as one of those alternatives, like the candidates that is a great um, alternative candidate for someone to support other than DeSantis or Trump. So sure. kind of my, my take on Tim Scott. Yeah, I think, uh, well, one more after uh, Nikki Haley at 3.8%. Uh, she's, she's just awful. Her uh, launching uh, ad... She was talking about the Uyghur genocide, which, um, you know, that's pretty much, I don't want to say been safely debunked, but I mean, there's plenty of research kind of suggesting against that. And then Adrian Zenz was the original reporter who reported on that, saying that uh, China's committing genocide. And um, he eventually had to retract some of his statements because he was off by like a factor of 10 or something like that. And uh, it's just a total classic neocon and she was, I believe, appointed by Trump at one point. But then, you know, now obviously it's going to be entertaining to see Trump kind of go to bat against a lot of the people that he appointed. So, uh, yeah, Nikki Haley. I am not the biggest fan of her. <laughs> That's I, what I thought. I, I used to be, um, but I need to be honest. She, I feel like she quits everything that she starts. Mm-hmm. And um, in particular with, like, foreign affairs stuff. I, I personally disagree on that. Um, but honestly, she just really comes across someone that doesn't have a lot of convictions and just kind of like, you know, goes with the wind and kind of goes with the flow and goes along with what's popular. Yeah. I, you know, I almost can't even really point out what exactly her stances are because I feel like it changes all the time based on what the polls say or what's important with the Republican base. So, um, in my opinion, I think she's running to position for herself to be in the cabinet of whoever the Republican nominee was, is if a Republican takes the White House. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's probably like my first like actual opinion about a candidate so far is that I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of her. <laughs> yeah, my buddy uh, Jacob there's got a point on um, who. <laughs> uh, so uh, coming up after uh, Nikki Haley is Mike Pence, which... Um, that's, it's kind of interesting. Um, I, I gotta say, I, and this is, people are going to run me up the flagpole for this, but, uh, uh, the, the, the debate between him and Kamala was actually entertaining and I thought he handled himself pretty well, but, um, you know, in 2023, we're not looking for necessarily somebody that's polite and is going to do things by the book. Um, and Pence, I think just reeks of that. And, you know, also one of his campaign statements was, uh, we're not sending enough arms or money to Ukraine, which, um, you know, the Republican base is actually pretty good on this. So, um, your thoughts on Mike Pence. I, I think it's very, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm remembering that debate too, because I thought that was amazing. I thought he did such a great job. Um, yeah. Like, I prefer that debate over, like, the Trump and the Biden debate as far as entertainment-wise. Um, I was so happy with how well he did. And I actually, you know, outside of, like, the Trump bribery and stuff, I actually, I don't know the guy from Adam, right? I don't know any of these people from Adam. So I want to make that clear. I don't know any of these people personally. I probably will never meet them. Sure. Right. But 
Mike Pence actually genuinely, like as a person outside of politics, he really does seem like a wholesome and good man. Mm-hmm. And that's something, regardless of like all these really cringe stances, that's something I can admire regardless of that, especially when you're someone that's involved in the political system like myself and you see things that you don't agree with and whatnot. Something mm-hmm. like that is a huge breath of fresh air and that's something to commend and respect, like outside sure. of that. like. There's some conservatives disagree with it, but his rules were how he conducts himself with his wife. I'm not going to lie. I actually like that, like how he doesn't take interviews. And I'm not saying um, like other people can take this, but the fact that he has that is really admiring because he really I mean, he and I view that like if that's how he respects his family, then I think that's something, you know, to be followed and something more people should do. Um, like, so people don't know, like he has this rule where he doesn't stay in the room with other females unless his wife is present. He doesn't even take interviews with other female, of course, unless his wife's in the room because, um, you know, he's a very devout, um, Christian and, you know, one of those ways, which I kind of follow and abide by, which is that, you know, temptation kind of leads you down towards that. And I think he's someone that is incredibly self-aware about, especially in the political world where corruption is basically at its high. So he kind of has, he has those boundaries to protect himself in his marriage. And that's something right. too that I respect. I mean, genuinely outside the Trump rivalry stuff and like the January 6th stuff or whatever, or the 2020 election or whatever, um, I genuinely feel like this man is protected from God. Cause like there isn't any like huge controversial things, mm-hmm. at least from what I'm aware of. So I think that's really interesting. So yeah, I think it'll be interesting to kind of see where he shapes up but um, mm-hmm. that's kind of my take. I actually like the guy, even though, like, you know, I have some stances I disagree with. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Um, now we're getting into the two front runners. So DeSantis, uh, Pence was at 5.8 and DeSantis at 21.1. Um, I'll give my thoughts on DeSantis. And then I know we touched on this a little bit last time, but I'm curious if you kind of have any, any thoughts now. Um, in my mind, the way I see this playing out is um DeSantis is really really good at like hiring and firing people right I mean he's very very concise and like the issues that he's good on and like well read on he's actually good on them um now he is like the Zionist as in like all the money in the world is going to go to Israel and you know he's bad on you know BDS laws where you know you literally can't criticize Israel in Florida or else you could literally get arrested on some college campuses um, but like when it came to his stance on COVID, it's very, very admirable. And he was very, very smart as in like well-read on that stuff. And that's, that's impressive. But like now when he's campaigning, he has absolutely zero charisma, which is strange because like, when you watch his press conferences, he was, he was fiery. He wasn't afraid to punch back and he was likable in his confrontations with the media. But now it, he seems kind of deflated, which is very, very surprising for me. So, um, in my opinion, I see this going as if DeSantis can beat Trump in the primary, I think he'll beat Biden just eking out a victory. But I think if Trump beats DeSantis in the primary, I think Trump's going to lose again. So um, I guess before we tackle the latter part of that, um, what are your thoughts on DeSantis? I like the guy. I'm a fan of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but full disclosure, I am one of those Republicans that doesn't view him as America's governor. I do have other governors that I prefer, just my personal preference. Sure. My my personal uh, favorite is actually Governor Glenn Youngkin from Virginia. Um, mm-hmm. 
during that 2021 cycle, I thought him winning was a huge victory and just a huge like white pill that we needed, Mm -hmm. Um, especially with everything going on, you know, during that election and coming up before that 2022 election. It really gave a lot of hope. Um, And for those that people that, you know, aren't aware with like the political aspect of it, um, the off years, which is like the years where there's no presidential year, it's it, it can be an indication of like the national environment, which could kind of predict of how each party can go. And so mm-hmm. all obviously the 2020 election cycle was um, interesting to say the least. But yeah. before all that happened, the 2021 cycle where Governor Glenn Youngkin won and then Jason um, Mayaris for attorney general and then when some steers for um, lieutenant governor, like those people winning um, really showed that Republicans had an opportunity to, uh, for the 2020 election cycle and showed that Republicans could potentially do well because those people did well. So in a lot of ways, um, Governor Youngkin's victory was um, just inspiring. And, sure. um, you know, just as far as like how he communicates with the press and the average human being, um, and just from, from the campaign side, I have heard that, you know, from a lot of operatives and consultants that Glenn Youngkin was like the best candidate that they've ever helped and work with. He is extremely genuine. Mm-hmm. He is the nicest person you'll ever work for. And like, he's the same as like what you would imagine, you know, sure. just an awesome human being. And like I said, as someone that, you know, volunteers and works in politics too in government, like something like that I can get behind and I would take over like a, a lot of things. Trust me. I, I'll take good humans and decent people that work hard, that are kind to people above a lot, above a lot of things um, just because it's needed. Um, so that being said, I like Ron Santos, but I'm definitely not one of those people that view him as America's governor. That's just my personal preference. So I definitely kind of deviate myself from a lot of Republicans in that sense. Um, I do think he did a lot of great things as governor. Um, I'm definitely not a DeSantis hater, but the one thing I will say that I've noticed and why talking about the DeSantis and Trump thing is a little bit of a touchy subject for me and why one, and to be honest with you, a San Diego young Republican, um, I made the executive decision for us to not endorse anyone for the presidential primary because of how divisive this topic is. Right. Um, the DeSantis and the Trump thing. And the reality is I do have a lot of members that like DeSantis and Trump. And I also mm-hmm. have a lot of members that also like all the other candidates that we talked about. I also have a lot of um, statewide and local candidates where there's some Republicans running against each other. And, you know, so for San Diego, Republicans, our number one goal is membership. Our number one goal is to rebuild the club, make it relevant again. And right. I, I really care about kind of taking things outside like the national scene and having people focus on local politics and creating a space community where people can be able to have dialogue and conversations about the everyday issues instead of like the national partisan politics stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So for DeSantis, there's some things he's done that I liked a lot. And then there's some things I had disagreed with. Um, Like I, like I agree with you as far as like a lot of people think personality is not a big factor important when it comes to policy or governance, but office is everything in politics. And yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, for better or for worse. I'm not saying that that has to be one reason why people should vote, but I'm talking about the everyday average person who I used to be one of those people, right, that didn't care about politics. Um, I'm not as plugged in in the bubble or whatever 
um, I'm speaking before, not now. Yeah. Um, but for some people, that's something that's important to them. And I agree with you. Like, if you look back at different uh, news clips of what DeSantis has done, he, like, it's like the cops. They definitely slice the clips to make him, him come across as, like, this firebrand. And the reality is when you dive deep into his policies, like, I almost don't even know where he stands on certain issues. I mean, as far as, like, again, like, I'm not as tuned in with certain things as a lot of people might think. But, okay, we're on Disney. I don't really care about that, to be honest. I care about if, um, I care about if, like, I can afford my home. I care about homelessness. I care about public safety. I care about all these different things, but like certain culture wars like that, like I don't care. Like, I'm gonna be honest, like this is my phone. I love Star Wars. I still have Disney Plus. Like, I'm mm -hmm. sorry. I'm sorry yeah. I'm doing a service to conservatives and Republicans. <laughs> I'm not gonna cancel my Disney Plus. If I get invited to Disneyland, I would go. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people on the right would do that too. So that's kind mm -hmm. of like my opinion. Um, I have found that I'm a huge believer. You're allowed to criticize Trump. You're allowed to criticize any public figure and mm -hmm. politician and, and candidate. That's the whole point. You're put in the public eye and you are given and people are given the privilege to criticize you. I have found just personally, like in a day to day dialogue with everyday people and political people, the second I have given pushback or disagreements or played devil's advocate with Ron DeSantis, people have flipped out. I'm just like, wow. Yeah. I'm like, yo, like if we're allowed to criticize Trump, I should be allowed to criticize DeSantis. And that's yeah. and that's not obviously that's not something like she can control, right? But it's about the vitriol, it's about the environment that he that in my opinion he's kind of inevitably caused. So that's my honest opinion about DeSantis. Yeah, I think that's fair. And uh, the fact that he hasn't been able to give a straight answer on the Ukraine stuff looks really bad. And we're, we're gonna get on to Trump here in a second, but like it almost seems like him and Trump are going after each other in like the worst way possible. So like DeSantis's criticisms of Trump should be, why did you fire Fauci? Um, you know, what the heck was this COVID response that you did? Um, all the spending and like, you know, you said you were going to drain the swamp, but then the swamp drained you. Um, there should be obvious criticisms, but he's just dodging it. And then Trump's going after him for his COVID response and saying that New York did better. Like some of this stuff, it's just, it blows my mind. Um, buddy Jacob again. Let's see. The DeSantis campaign is dead in the water. However, if anyone could burst across the finish line in the last minute for the win, it would be him. Uh, I, I think I, I would generally agree with that. His uh, announcement on Twitter, um, I don't think helped him at all. That was pretty bad. Um, it, it was uh, well, about as you, plus I could get. Yeah, go ahead. Well, well, since you brought that up, I need to be completely honest. I thought that was a very cringe move. Like, I've had people, and I've had disagreements with friends about this, but... Yeah. I mean, every I've had people say, like, oh, because it's online, it's how they're using I'm like, no, like, most people are not on social media, actually. Mm -hmm. So if you're not on Twitter, if you're not plugged into the bubble, you're not going to know what's going on. I mean, obviously, I know, like, because it's a big deal, it's the presidential campaign, it's going to pick up in the news cycle, but... I don't know. Like, I'm not, again, I'm not saying I'm like this, like, I'm, I'm not like a huge, like, ceremonious, like, preemptive person, but, mm. like, there's something to be said when you have, like, a legit, like, podium and you're just announcing you're running for president and then you're yeah. going on a Twitter spaces. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm one of the, like, maybe it's a little bit uppity to say it right. And maybe that's not a huge hill to die on, but it's, and it's not, like, the biggest thing in the world to me, obviously. But since you brought it up, that's one of the things I would criticize, like 
So we're going to be resorting, announcing that you're running for the highest elected office in the in the country to going online on the Twitter space where mm-hmm. there's only a certain amount of active voters on. Like, I don't know if I like that move of how like all our presidential announcements mm-hmm. are like that. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair criticism. But um, the only pushback I would give, and I, I don't know how strong this would necessarily be, is that um, I think he's trying to play to a younger base. And I think he's trying to go more towards where he believes they are. So, like, this is what I've praised RFK for. I believe that, like, DeSantis and Trump are both, in like, even Biden, they're running 20th century campaigns. We need more 21st century candidates who aren't talking about bringing the jobs back. And, you know, the stuff that we've heard for the last 30 years that ultimately never happens. Um, RFK seems to be a little bit more in touch with this stuff, which is really, really interesting because he's going on all these podcasts and he's still doing, like, press stuff when it's available to him and then you know he had a formal announcement like he's running a 21st century campaign he understands the media and how it works today um DeSantis and Trump don't really seem to be able to do that the same way but Trump's such a bombastic character that um you know he he's gonna get eyes on him no matter what um so do you have anything else on DeSantis there or anything else before we move on to uh, Trump no, and I appreciate you sharing your perspective on that um, because you made a good point. I think influencer marketing and podcasting is another alternative um, method of communication for the media and the press. Um, so I never really saw it from that perspective too, um, but I don't know. I just, announcing your presidential race on a platform that only has a certain amount of active voters, that's right. just... Yeah, no, no, I, I definitely agree. I think announcing your presidential like platform there was a horrible idea but like ideally you would have announced it like a formal announcement right like go on tv or whatever and then you could do a twitter space where you have selected people which is pretty much what it was i mean thomas massey endorsed them and he was asking him a question it's a bush league move by desantis yeah, yeah. and that and that would have been perfect too and that, right. like, that's fine but as far as like making the initial like i'm gonna announce on twitter like that i i just i thought i disagreed on that yeah okay so then our front runner uh donald trump at 51.9 um people are well aware i'm not a trump guy at all but i can recognize where he's doing good um when it comes to ukraine stuff i i don't believe a, a word the dude says but he's saying the right stuff you know he says i want people to stop dying i just want people to stop dying um he that that's that's what people want to hear people want to hear we're not going to send another 100 billion dollars over there now once again trump faulted during his presidency and had sent weapons over there that obama wouldn't even do when you know his second in command who's now the president um was you know kind of in charge of the coup there um trump faltered there but once again he's saying the right stuff um there was a campaign speech i talked to scott horton about this and uh, he was like, I'm pretty sure he was going to say China, but he ended up saying it was them. Um, he, you know, he has this thing where he says, oh, it's not me. They're after they're after you. And I'm just in their way. Um, once again, you don't got to believe him, but like you have to understand and realize why people resonate with this stuff, because they feel personally attacked by the Washington elites. And Trump is speaking to that anger. He's he's great at marketing his brand he's absolutely phenomenal at it so that's why he's doing so well um 
and then you know he's announcing he has these videos oh we're gonna take down the deep state it's gonna be slaughter like you've never seen before and then you know now with the whole media and you know now essentially the biden administration going after him it's reasonable for people to think that like he is their vengeance um people want to see blood and trump i think represents kind of the sword that's gonna pull it from him. yeah and and you know the biggest thing is um that we need people to win elections on the republican side is yeah we obviously need, would love to pull people from the left and change hearts and minds that's my goal. In fact, I got the phone call with a local Democrat that's sick with his own party and he wants to check out San Diego Young Republicans. So beautiful. I'm a huge, yeah, and that's beautiful. Those are the converse, kind of conversations I want to have with people. I want to have more of those. So obviously we need to win people from the other side. We need to win people in the middle. But I think one thing people need to also keep in mind, especially in California, I mean, we break down how many votes we need to win. We need the Republicans to vote too. Otherwise, like there is no, you can consider your election over and you're losing. Mm -hmm. um, so on that hand, um, I think that's one strength that Donald Trump does have in general is he knows how to turn out the base in that regard. He knows what to say. He knows, you know, how to get people fired up. And, you know, people need to, I think people recognize that whether they like it or not. Um, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I've gone on TV multiple times and gone asked by this, um, by mainstream and left-leaning uh, networks, but, you know, they've grilled me and asked for my opinion about, like, the Trump arraignment and indictment and everything happened in Miami, and, you know, I'm just kind of s sitting there. I, I don't know, like, what kind of initial reactions they wanted, um, but I just, you know, had no choice but to be honest, and I'm very appreciative that they reached out for my perspective and, and they thought it'd be unique to speak to ask a young Republican about it. And so I'm very grateful about it. Um, but I was just honest, like, I don't think this is like the biggest deal in the world. Like, I, I think the average everyday American cares a lot more about the everyday issues and not national partisan politics right. or, some, or some like, you know, and to be honest, like, with everything that's happened with Donald Trump before, it almost like, they, they do they do this like all the time and somehow he ends up walking away. And so I kind of view all these things that are going on right him right now is the same thing. It's, it's a distraction from the things that everyday Americans care about. Teflon um, Dawn, that's why they call <laughs> it. Nothing could stick to him. Uh, yeah, I actually definitely agree with that. And I think you're going to have kind of two sects of the moderates. Um, and I think the larger sect of the moderates is probably the people who see all this stuff going on and they're like, please just make it stop. Like whatever we could do to just make this insanity stop. I don't care anymore. I, I you know, the Democrats drive him nuts and then, you know, he gets Republicans riled up. Like, I, I just don't want to deal with this. I don't want to hear about it anymore. I think that's probably a large chunk of moderates. There's probably some who are probably like, well, the Democrats are so terrible and like this stuff's annoying, but like Trump is a better alternative. And then I think a majority of the Republican base is rallying behind Trump. And then there's probably a smaller faction of the Republican base who probably feels that same annoyance and looks at DeSantis as kind of like the relief. And then, you know, obviously there's Democrats on the other side who probably, you know, there's probably a small minority who think, okay, well, you know, I think Trump's reasonable. And there's probably a much, much larger faction who just can't even stand the existence of Donald Trump. Um, what do you think? Do you think that's accurate or do you think I'm full of shit? <laughs> 
No, I think that's very accurate. I mean, people have asked me like, oh, can you predict on who might win the primary or the general? Because I know there's a lot of people that I understand the logic too. And I think it's important. You obviously want a Republican that can not only win the primary, but could also beat the general and make it across the finish line. So I agree with that and understand that logic. And that's why like, I put on my presidential cap and I try to stay agnostic about it because I don't feel obligated to have a public opinion about it because I have members that are divided on this. And my goal as the president is to unify people and to bring the conversation local instead of just focusing on just the president. So, um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think, and what I've shared with reporters on this too, when they ask me about endorsements and my opinions on this and that, do you think people will, will not, you know, will be turned off by it. Um, my my opinion is, yeah, of course. I think a lot of people would be sick and tired of this and they have a right to believe that. Yeah. I also think that there's a lot of people that are sick and tired of it, yes, but they would be inspired to get involved in their community and to be the change they wish to see in the Republican party. I'm one of those people. I got really fed up with how things were going with the country and I decided to step up and make a difference. And that's right. kind of like how I view this too. Like, I think people will always have their opinions about all these presidential candidates, but I think that there are people and the people who I hoping to captivate as the president of San Diego Young Republicans is, is uh, people that want to step up and be a leader as a business owner, as a political activist, as a working professional in their own right, um, but want to be able to network and find people with similar values. Um, and so for me, that that's uh, way more important than any presidential or any campaign is having the ability to to inspire and to help fulfill people's purpose and lead a organization where uh, you know it could be a great platform for people like you never know you could show up to a San Diego Young Republicans event and you could meet your next best friend or you could meet your future husband or wife um, but you wouldn't have done that unless you were involved in San Diego Young Republicans. So um, that's kind of like my my take on the whole race and Donald Trump and the 2024 presidential landscape. I think people are pretty dead set in a lot of their ways on the candidates. I think there's people that will like or dislike certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're just going to have to see how things shake out. I will say, I think that the presidential primary on the Republican side, um, I think it's basically going to boil down to Donald Trump and DeSantis by far like yeah i think i think that's like where like the real competition is is figuring out who's gonna edge out yeah so i i've been thinking about this ever since you know people started kind of talking about DeSantis and trump i just i, I seriously can't wait to watch them to brawl out i i <laughs> i have a uh, my friend reed coverdale and i talk about this all the time just just to see them to duke it out will be absolutely hysterical listen here ron to sanctimonious I, I got you elected. Just just remember the phone call. You were crying. Something something like that. I can I can hear it already. I can't wait to see the uh, debates. So um, it's yeah, I think sixteen. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then uh, you know the chance. I, I don't want to see Trump and uh, Biden debate again because like that was just a clusterfuck. Like you, you, Trump has this thing where he's not willing to like not be in the limelight. And the thing with Biden is you just have to let him continue to hang himself, right? He's not going to let you hang him. You can do that. He can do that by himself. But if you try to do it, it's not going to work because now he can play the victim. If he would have just let him talk, then people would have saw. But Trump was really unhinged in that first debate. So um, at the same time, though, he doesn't seem to quite have the same fiery passion that he did 
eight years ago. Obviously, he's getting older, and I'm sure you know there's probably a lot of stress. Um, I, I don't know if he's going to have it like he had it in 2016, so it's going to be interesting. No, absolutely. I, I do agree. It's going to be super interesting. I mean, aside from like the divisiveness, I, you know, I, on the inside, it is exciting to say the least. And um, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to the debates. I was, like I said, I was never one of those people that was into the debates. Um, but um, now that I've caught the bug for several years now, like I'm, I'm genuinely looking forward to it. I'm going to be hosting a debate watch parties for San Diego Young Republicans. Nice. Um, and I think it's going to be super fun to watch all this together. Nice. All right. Well, um, yeah, I think that's a pretty good note to kind of wrap things up on. Um, Cynthia, where can everybody find you, support you, and check out what you're doing as well as uh, your activism? Sure. So thank you so much, Kyle, for having me on. So much fun talking about a lot of things, politics and other things that are important in that life outside of that. Um, so if people want to follow me, I'm really active on all the social media platforms, uh, mostly on Twitter and Instagram. So um, it's Cynthia Cowie. So you can spell it C-Y-N-T-H-I-A. Then my last name is Cowie, K-A-U-I. And if you are based in San Diego, California, and you are between the ages of 18 to 40, I want you to be able to check out San Diego Young Republicans. We are really growing in an expansive and increasingly exponential rate uh, because we have been creating such a great community and space for young conservatives in the county to connect with people with similar values in the same age range. I know how intimidating it can be to make friends outside of, out, outside of college um, and more importantly, find people with different political beliefs like you. So I want San Diego Young Republicans to be a place that you can call home. Um, so if you wanna check us out, Search up San Diego Young Republicans. We're very active on Twitter, uh, Instagram, um, Facebook, um, LinkedIn, and then uh, you can sign to be a member. We have a link tree, so you can sign to be a member for $50 a year. And we actually have a lot of people that are supportive outside the age range that love San Diego Young Republicans and want to see us be successful. Um, so we actually launched a silver membership for people that are over the age of 40. That's also $50 a year. So, um, like I said, uh, thank you so much, Kyle, for having me on. I had so much fun and happy to be back um, whenever you'd like for me to be back on. Absolutely. Um, I have an idea for one maybe down the pipes, so um, I'll, we'll definitely be in contact. And, yeah, if you don't got anything else, we'll close her out. Great. Thank you. Of course. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. This was In Liberty Health, and until next time, take care. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.